Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Adam Pranica. I am also your host, Ben Harrison. Ben, it's come to my attention that you have created another podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about your Westworld podcast that you oh, yeah. uh, that you put out there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well... So I put out a, the first episode, and then I recorded the second episode, and you're not going to believe this, Adam, but the second episode was the exact same waveform as the first. And so I was like, do I really, like, upload this, or do I just tell people, like, just keep listening, and it'll It's like, you know, it, it, the more you rewatch it, the more you'll, like, get out of it. You know, it's like Hamilton, you know? Like, the, every time you hear it, you'll have new things kind of occur to you about it do you have to go to chipotle before recording an episode is that part of your (laughs) your practice (laughs) i felt kind of bad because a couple of people like it was such a random and and like nihilistic joke that a couple of people were like oh i'm really excited to hear that (laughs) ben i really do want to take a couple minutes to discuss this why do you hate westworld so much (laughs) this is not what i was making fun of at all i was making fun of the premise of starting a westworld podcast which i could just as easily make fun of the premise of starting a star trek podcast there there are two things that there are too many podcasts about really man i took that in exactly the wrong way then i just thought you hated (laughs) westworld (laughs) i don't love it i i think that it probably doesn't deserve all of the all of the love it's getting, but I don't know. I watched. I've watched a few episodes. It seems fine. Oh, so you haven't finished the season? Hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe you should finish the season, and we can revisit this topic. <laughs> okay. Maybe at some point we could actually do a Westworld podcast. Everyone else has one. I have a. I have a little prediction, Adam, for what the first episode would sound like. I think it would be a little something like this. Well, I think we know what rock bottom is on our own podcast. <laughs> Why don't we do what we do best, Ben, which is talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. Today's episode is Season 4, Episode 21, The Drum Head. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. They've caught a Klingon exobiologist doing some some, some uh, espionage. Ben, is it racist that I think I find it far-fetched that a Klingon would ever be an exobiologist. That's racist, right? <laughs> There's an episode coming up in, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't remember what season it's in, obviously. I don't know anything. But uh, there's an episode coming up where there's like a Ferengi scientist and everybody's super suspicious of him yeah. for the same exact reason. It's like, no, you're a one-note race. You guys don't do this. You do that. You know? It's... 
I mean, we laugh, but like, that's what racism is. It made me feel bad. But it's also like one of the ways that the world building of this show really falls apart. Yeah. Like, the the Ferengi only care about money. The Klingons only care about honor and war. And it is really hard to imagine somebody like going for their doctorate in particle physics in a society that only cares about honor and war. Right. Or exobiology, for that matter. So anyways, this guy is a spy, and they caught him spying, and also the warp reactor has blown up. And all of this has happened before the episode starts. We open the episode in a interrogation room, and uh, and this biologist uh, named Jadan is being questioned. I liked Jadan's first album, but I thought the ones that came <laughs> after were uh, were not as good. That's bullshit, Adam. He's one of the hottest rappers in the game. <laughs> this interrogation does not go well for Jadan. <laughs> um, he is... Uh, he just keeps going, not guilty, y'all got to feel me. Like, part of... Part of the way that the crew is tipped off to his involvement is not that he is a Klingon science officer, (laughs) but is instead that he's someone with a special medical condition that requires regular hypospray syringes get administered Mm -hmm. to him. So he's in the he's in the six bay all the time. And so he's getting these 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 uh, hyposprays on the regular and someone thinks to examine the syringe itself. And it turns out that in this world, you can steal information from isolinear chips. You can turn it into biological information, spray it inside of a body, and then like that information will live on as like proteins in the body, swimming yeah. around in your bloodstream. So it's a pretty, yeah. pretty awesome idea for this sort of of spycraft here a totally great premise that is so season four you know like (laughs) like it this this just as an idea is as good as the scene where geordie solves the mystery of of the uh of the shadow in the holodeck like yeah it's just cool as fuck yeah and they have a cool prop to show like like it's great yeah, and this guy finally he cops to it in in his own Klingon sort of way and Picard's like, get him out of here. So Worf escorts him back to his quarters and along the way, Jay Dan is just spit talking him the entire time. Yeah. Like like uh, hey, I heard about your dad. Sounds like a real jerk. You know what? No one even talks about your dad. He's so lame <laughs> on the Klingon homeworld. And Worf is just like grinding his teeth. Finally, finally, they're walking through the halls and Jay Dan's like, look, man, you know, uh, things aren't looking too good for me right now. But I'm telling you, I can help you out with your whole dad problem. Let's just jake a shuttle and get the hell out. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, it's a Worf weird hack because it. it's like, it's like. It's like, hey, you're... Yeah, do you start with the making fun of him? That's not the way to start, is it? Yeah, he's, he must be like one of those su- seduction community guys. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to neg Worf, <laughs> and then I'm going to see if we can go to a second location together. Yeah, you know, the other interrogators were doing it a lot better than you. I mean, you're trying and everything, and that's cute, but... Uh... 
What do you think? They this, did a much, much better job. What do you think of this feather in my hat? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Worf gets him into his quarters, and what follows is an amazing no look elbow and punch to the face. Yeah, it's a total JCVD move. Like, it's. <laughs> And Worf's, Worf's, like, body language, with whenever he, like, goes into fight mode, he gets, like, super stiff and, like, choppy. Funny as fuck. I watched this scene several times, and <laughs> they take it from outside the hall. Uh, like, it's sort of a longer take than you'd think. So mm-hmm. it starts from outside. They walk in. Keep in mind, Worf never looks at him. So Worf is assuming his position behind him when he throws that elbow yeah. and the back fist. Like, he just as easily could have destroyed that replicator. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been Which fun. would have been great. Yeah. The, uh, the, the outtake when, when he, like, puts his fist through the, the control <laughs> panel. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to be sure about positioning. Can we get another replicator like in here? Let's, uh, let's get it back up, guys. Gonna go for take two. You know what's interesting about the aftermath of this scene, too, is they never call back the idea that Worf fucking beat up a prisoner. Yeah. And that's wrong, right? You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, like he didn't even take off his communicator badge first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he didn't put his badge and gun on the desk, on Picard's desk, before he did it. Yeah. So so the Enterprise That Worf's a loose cannon. Yeah. Yeah, he does not play by the rules, but he gets results. <laughs> and if you want to clean up the crime in this town, Picard, you'll let me run this investigation my way. Yeah, speaking of, on board comes a police commissioner who begins very by the book, doesn't she? Yeah, so this is Admiral Satie, and she's a retired rear admiral from Starfleet. And uh, so she's not in an admiral uniform. She's in kind of a vagina-collared robe. Uh, dressed by Dale Chihuly is what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... Um, Both in terms of the compromised eyesight it would take to design it, but also in, like, the very glass vase neckline that she's got <laughs> at all times. Yeah. It's, it's fair enough. I mean... I think it's just jokes more... are always funnier when you explain them. I find. Yeah, it's it's more labial than Chihuly, which is saying a lot. <laughs> yes, uh, renowned labia artist Dale Chihuly. <laughs> but anyways, uh, she's she's been dispatched by Starfleet security to get to the bottom of this because this is a big deal, right? Like the flagship of the Federation caught a spy downloading information about the warp core and then a few hours later the warp core blew up and is now out of commission like the the enterprise is is not moving because of this situation and then they in fact go down and take a look at engineering and like the there's like a anti-radiation door sealing off the warp core room and the the window in shimoda corner is is like all fogged up because there's so much gas or whatever in there. And uh they've got a they're they're waiting for the room to like deradiate for a while before they can get in there. 
Ben, I re- recently read a story about uh, the Chernobyl accident. Mm-hmm. And the scientists there, like the first ones on the scene, found something called the elephant's foot. Have you have you read about this at all? No. Are these the guys that pretty much committed themselves to dying of radiation poisoning, but saved the disaster from becoming much, much worse? If they committed themselves to that, they really didn't have a choice, because the story with this elephant's foot is amazing. You should look it up after the show. Um it's a part of the core that melted, and it, it sort of melted itself into the shape of an elephant's foot. Uh-huh. And the statistics on this thing are fucking nightmarish. Like, I, evidently, it's the most radioactive spot on the planet. Wow. And I guess, like, three seconds of exposure will make you sick for two weeks. Uh, 60 seconds of exposure will kill you in three days. And I guess, like, a minute of exposure is the equivalent of... 500,000 x-rays like it's some it's that those are accurate statistics but they are as nightmarish as the facts are like it's bonkers well yeah so that's what's going on in the warp core and it's a it's it's that's an interesting problem i mean it's like a more interesting warp core problem than we usually get and it's also told in a more interesting way you know like whenever they're having a warp core difficulty it's something that happens in the middle of the episode to heighten the problem. And this is an episode that starts with the warp core out and a and a man caught with, you know, some circumstantial evidence pointing to the idea that maybe he sabotaged it. So so they're pretty freaked out about Jadan, but they extract a a confession on the stealing information charge from him, but he insists that he didn't have anything to do with blowing up the core. And one of the people that Sati has brought on board, in addition to her lightly loafed court reporter, is a a Betazoid investigator who is like, yep, Judan is telling us the truth. He did not have anything to do with blowing up the warp core. I can, I can tell you that for certain. This begins a story through line that seeks to compare to me the credibility of information you get from a Betazoid interrogator and what uh, contemporarily you would get through torture, right? Right. Was I the only one who sort of saw this parallel? Like, throughout the rest of the episode, Satie's position is that the Betazoid way of getting information is going to be accurate and must be actionable. Right. Picard's contention is that that can't be enough. Like, his intuition can't be enough to prosecute someone for a possible crime. Or even to, like, limit their movement. Like, that's it's right. not even it's not even probable cause. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, that is an interesting comparison you make. I, it really made me wonder what criminal justice looks like on Beta Z, you know? If you can yeah. get into anybody's head and everybody's just kind of in the heads of anybody that they're in a room with like what is that what is that what are the ramifications of that and i feel like they kind of avoided dealing with that idea at all yeah i wonder if it if betazoid uh the betazoid justice system is like minority report a little bit yeah so anyways we're done with Jaden in this episode and uh sati goes and changes into a whole new vagina collar and uh <laughs> And she, uh, she's having a meeting 
with Picard about how they're going to have to like, you know, continue to figure out the situation because they found out who stole the information, but not who did the, the sabotage. And, and so not everything has been solved here. It is a crazy principle of a soft-beating face. Now you can't find it within yourself. Just stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. Satie's relationship with Picard starts pretty great. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're, they're familiar in the way that uh, Picard is familiar with Satie's father, great judge, the best judge, <laughs> someone that he's read about. Uh, both at the academy and thereafter, Picard's got a lot of respect for that Satie family line, and Satie herself begins her relationship with Picard, going, "Look, like I'm used to being the big dog when it comes to these investigations. I'm used to working alone. Mm-hmm. I don't have any friends. <laughs> like this is what I live for." But I was wrong. We're going to be quite a team. Yeah, and that that sort of runs in parallel with the Betazoid guy hanging out with Worf. And saying the same thing, like, you know, we were a little bit worried coming aboard that there would be some kind of conflict of interest where, you know, your dad is a is a snake who collaborated yeah. with the Romulans and this is a Klingon being accused. And uh, I just I'm here to tell you that we are we are not concerned about that at this point. We really like the work you've been doing and we really trust you. Which, the rest of the episode goes great. I mean, people work as a team. They they come to the right conclusion, and then they go on with their day. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Very inspiring episode. <laughs> so they have a brief meeting with the doctor in the interrogation room where they're asking about, like, they're trying to establish what Jaden's movements around the ship looked like, like what he was up to, who, who he had been interacting with. Because they think that there's somebody else aboard that he was in league with. He can't have done this by himself. And uh, she's like, yeah, well, he would come in. You know, he has this weird, you know, he's, he's got the, the beatus. And he'll come in, you know, every six hours or so to get his injection. Insulin, pills, doctor's visits. Believe me, it can be scary. Liberty Medical delivers straight to six bay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... And, uh, Look, those uh, those those catheters are very comfortable mm-hmm. to install. To be honest, uh, doing a routine injection like that is a little bit below my pay grade, so I have one of my lackeys do that type of work, and uh, right. that's all I can tell you. And so they bring in the lackey, and uh, it's this guy Simon Tarsus, who is a an enlisted crewman with a a teeny bit of loaf on on his ears, but. Uh, generally speaking, human. And um, this is a great performance, I thought. Like, this guy is, he comes in and is is interrogated on, on, on the stand and is nervous in a way that you can't put your finger on why he would be. And, and that's like the perfect tone for this because there's a big reveal with that. And He uh, feels real Ed Norton-y to me. Yeah. Like, and I mean that, extremely complimentary yeah you know and he's like a young guy you know he's maybe you know maybe supposed to be 25 or 30 and uh he answers their questions pretty straightforward and they're pretty straightforward questions and he leaves and the betazoid is like that's our man (laughs) and then and then everybody else in the room starts going lock him up lock him up lock him up 
his guilt is made apparent through his discomfort on the stand, basically. Mm -hmm. And the Betazoid is like, the guy's covering something up. He's got to be the guy. (laughs) That's how you can tell he could really read minds. (laughs) Meanwhile, we're back in engineering where Jordy and Data have completed their investigation of the, the warp door blowout. Yeah. And have come to the conclusion that... This wasn't sabotage at all. It was nothing more than an accident. They replaced the hatch with a non-OEM part at the last (laughs) starbase. And that voids the warranty on a Galaxy-class starship, Ben. Yeah, you... just can't be doing that. You try to save a little money, go on Amazon and get the the aftermarket, you know, they say that it's just as good and it's like a good 30% cheaper. It's never as good. People always bitch about going to the dealer and getting high prices on service, but, I mean, you get what you pay for, I guess. Right, and the fit and finish on the on the dealer-installed stuff is just so much better. It's true. Yeah. So I think they learned a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Admiral Satie is back to vagina collar number one, and uh, she does not want to stop the investigation just because they found out that the warp core blowout was a total coincidence. Just because there was no sabotage doesn't mean there isn't a conspiracy on this ship. Yeah, kind of a surprise. She she poses this question uh, to the captain, and the captain at this point is starting to be a little bit uneasy about how she is just kind of rolling roughshod over due process at this point. She She poses this question like, if it means defending the existence of the Federation, can we afford not to see this thing through? And that is like in direct contra- contradiction of what they have just learned. She does not care at all that a crime hasn't been committed with the Warp Corps. It becomes clear that she came on board to prosecute someone, and she's not going to leave before she gets the chance to do that. Yeah, and this is re- like Frakes directed this episode, and I think that he did a great job of kind of, you know, turning the potentiometer on this character and her little entourage as as the episode goes. So she's more and more uncomfortable to be in the room with. Mm-hmm. The when she comes on, she is you know, it's like what if Loxana Troy wasn't obnoxious and stupid, and like by this midway point. You know, they start to kind of pose these challenging questions that, like, seem to be logical or at least internally consistent, but have kind of spooky ramifications. And, like, other things, like, you know, the captain will be talking to to Admiral Satie and the Lofi court reporter lady will just be kind of, like, idly in the background typing out everything he says. yeah. There's some blocking stress yeah. to what's happening, and it's very subtle. Yeah, it, they don't comment on it initially. Um, they let you kind of notice those things without beating you to death with with them, which is, uh, that's directing, and that's, like, good-ass directing. Yeah, a less competent vision would have had a cutaway to the third person in the room. Right. You don't need that. So Picard shows up to Simon Tarsus's next hearing and the interrogation room which is normally a pretty uh, a pretty private feeling space is full of people she's invited everybody it's like that meeting 
uh, in the conference room that has free food <laughs> that, that you don't really have to go to. It's totally optional. Yeah. There's a, there's some bagels. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's turkey cutlets and some wilted <laughs> wilted lettuce and gross mealy tomatoes, and somehow that's getting people out of their cubicles. When it's free, uh, that's enough of a reason. It's such a fucking insulting thing that businesses do to their employees. Yeah. Gross. My love is a piece of longing till for that which longer This hearing gets a lot more hot, and what comes out is that uh, Crewman Tarsus lied on his application to enlist in Starfleet uh, by saying that he was one quarter Vulcan, when in fact he is one quarter Romulan, and Satie is satisfied that that is enough reason to, you know, hold him responsible for the warp core explosion or not hold him responsible, but to continue to consider him, you know, suspect number one. And uh, whether or not he's convicted of that, he's like definitely ruined as a, as a, as a member of Starfleet. Like he can't, he, he's lied to a board of inquiry and he lied on his application. He's done. It's interesting and not surprising how, the addition of an audience to something like this uh, increases the gravity of what's happening. Yeah. You know? Like, things seem pretty benign when it's just like a casual interview and it's just two people sitting at a desk asking about things that happen. But you add some witnesses to the fray and it gets super heady. And uh, Tarsus does a great job in emoting that. Like, this is terrifying for him. Uh, the Betazoid is not wrong that he is hiding something. He's just wrong about what he's hiding. Yeah, and and that's um, it's so interesting that that they let that just be a a conflict that remains unaddressed. Like the like he was wrong about what he's hiding. That doesn't that which tends to you know which between that and the fact that they know that the warp core blowout was an accident should just have everybody like step back and be like, all right, well, we uh, kind of blew it on this one. But instead, they just like keep uh, twanging away on him and and keep running the investigation. And, and it's, it's a, around this point that Worf is just like, he, he's like a pig in shit. Like he's fucking holding little McLa- mini McLaughlin groups yes, of his own in the, in the conference room, like putting security officers on these crazy tasks. You and crewman Marcus will coordinate to track Tarsus's movements over the last five years. And P- Picard has, like, has basically, like, come to the end of his room. I need to speak with you. Like, he is, he is not happy having this big dog running around his ship in Admiral Satie. And he, he stops Worf at some point, and he's like, hey, this has actually, like, gone way too far. Don't you agree? Worf is like, no, we got to, like, people are blowing up the ship. We got to stop them. And Picard is like, actually, nobody blew up the ship, Worf. That didn't happen. And this is a drumhead trial here in the 24th century. And uh, and shit has gotten pretty crazy. I'm not sure that Worf got it by I, the end of that conversation. Like, I think he just followed the order. Yeah. I really wondered that, too. Like, like. You know, I think that this, there's a lot about this episode that feels very contemporary in terms of the issues it's addressing to our time. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it made me wonder if Worf was persuadable, and it made me wonder if anybody is really persuadable that they might be completely wrong about what they're what they're doing. You know what I would have been interested in is getting Jordy's take. Like he works in engineering, he could have been killed by this. Yeah, he helped prove that it was an accident, but also like, can you be a hundred percent sure? Yeah, it's like like when you're so close to that that explosion. I don't know. It would have been neat to get a little bit of a throwaway from him because if someone like him still had reservations about a crewman and suspected that a conspiracy was happening like that all of a sudden elevates it into a crazy level that i think could have been even more effective than what we get here yeah it's around this point that i think picard has his little like t for two with simon tarsus gets to know the guy a little bit and uh He's put the Horgon away. <laughs> yeah, the the Horgon when is you have, when you have this sort of conspicuously tea. not in the room. But uh, you think Riker has like a French press uh, Horgon? <laughs> like you push the head down. Yeah, but what comes out that ain't coffee, Adam. <laughs> Gross. Uh, Simon Tarsus gets fleshed out a little bit, and he's like, "Yeah, like I really love Starfleet, and I always wanted to be in it, and I thought that my." grandfather's heritage was going to be a problem on my application and so I kind of fudged facts a little bit and I really regret that it's maybe the 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 worst thing I've ever done because now I can't be in Starfleet and uh like for the rest of my life I will have this horrible regret yeah he was pretty fucked because if he wouldn't have a Starfleet career if he told the truth and now he doesn't have one because he didn't yeah. Do you think Picard has the power to have, you know, put in a good word for him? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, it, it makes me sad to think that this guy is truly fucked and his career's done. Yeah. But I think that that's how you, like, I mean, that's how you tell a story like this, right? Like, things things yeah. like this do have bad consequences for innocent people. and Yeah, yeah. And that's like... You have to have the stakes like yeah. that. I mean... It it like the, I think that the degree to which they let us sympathize with that character is really is really good, but anyways the uh, so the captain like after this meeting is like well this is fucked like we're we've gone completely off the reservation here, I gotta go see what kind of vagina collar Satya's in and tell her to call off her dogs. Do you think there's a correlation between vagina collar height and mood for Satya in the way that? health of the ship is telegraphed through Riker's hair. Yeah, I think that the more like the the more like designy and structural one is is like when she's in kind of a big dogging mode and then the more like like lacy and labial one is more like <laughs> is more like um is like I'm kind of putting on a good face and like you know telling you I think you're great while I plot your destruction. You know, Lacey and Labial was the first porn movie I ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, this is, this is, uh, I, I appreciate that you are bringing jokes up every so often. I feel like I have not done one joke in this entire fucking episode, and I feel really bad about it. <laughs> it's a real serious episode. It is a real serious, it's a, and it's like so well written, it's hard to make, uh, it's yeah. hard to make our signature wisecracks about, um, 
so yeah, so so Picard has uh, Satie come into his ready room, and he's like, hey, like, guess what? The hearings on Simon Tarsis will stop. And she's like, the hearings are not going to stop. And she proceeds to big dog the fuck out of him. She's like, oh yeah, I've actually had uh, Starfleet on speed dial this whole time, and uh, they're bringing a an admiral in to observe the rest of my witch hunt. So you can sit down and shut the fuck up. Yeah, you remember your old friend Admiral Henry? He's coming over here on the hood. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way the hood caught up to the Enterprise was because it had that warp core problem, <laughs> that, that blowout. Yeah, they told there's this... no way a full-strength hood is going to catch up to a full-strength Enterprise. They're like, listen, DeSoto, you got to ferry this Admiral out to the Enterprise. And he's like, not, not my problem, guys. There's no way the hood can catch the Enterprise. And they're like, get this. Engine is down. You might be the nicest ship in the fleet right now. And DeSoto had like a total existential crisis on that. <laughs> All of a sudden, DeSoto has the, uh, the de facto flagship of the Federation. <laughs> I never wanted this. <laughs> it's total Peter principle. Like he just failed up. I've become what I set out to destroy. <laughs> DeSoto doesn't even want to have communication with the Enterprise. They just sort of drop off Henry. And <laughs> I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. So they uh, they continue the trial, and the first person they call up to the stand is Picard, and they're gonna like read him the riot act. Like they've got all of the failures that Picard has ever had, like on a little on a little like quarterback wristband on uh, on Admiral Satie. Like she's like you've violated the Prime Directive plenty of times. She's you... reading it from the inside of her cone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were, you were a Borg one time. That was pretty whack. Like, everything he says, she's got a mistake he made. That Jake guy stole a shuttle <laughs> right out from under you. <laughs> yeah, you let Ginger Jesus take a blaster to the face. <laughs> There's sort of a long list of, of pretty big no-nos that Picard's been involved with. Yeah. And Picard rises to this occasion like only lawyer Picard could. Like, he gets up on that stand and it's like, it's like he forms lawyer Picard Voltron. Like, <laughs> like she starts hitting him with this shit and he starts laying little, little rhetorical traps for her and letting her step in him and eventually pulls out like a, like a beautifully written quote about the chains of bondage and how every time some freedom is abridged, uh, it 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 wraps the chains tighter around all of us and and uh, and drops this in and it like really causes Satie to lose her shit and she does like she does that thing that like only happens in Law and Order where yeah. people break on the stand and. And I'm like, yeah, I did it. So what if I did it? You know, <laughs> and she, she 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 basically admits that she's been running a a total witch trial, and I will expose you for what you are. I brought down bigger men than you, Picard. And Admiral Henry is sitting there and just gets this look of disgust on his face. He like he like you know sets the fork down on his tray table. 
pushes pushes his uh his piece of pie away from him he is not going to be eating today (laughs) (laughs) and he gets up and he walks out of the room wordlessly because we're not paying any extra to have any spoken lines in this episode adam i feel like seti moves to flip over the table but the table's anchored down (laughs) (laughs) she just gets totally unhinged yeah and she shows her ass yeah total capital a acting too yeah like it is scary to see her go off like that and everyone around her is sort of scared of her in that moment Mm -hmm. she seems capable of anything it's a real have you no decency sir moment yeah and uh it might be like have you no decency sir might be the last time in modern history that somebody was actually exposed in that way Mm. like i feel like um there's a a certain level of fantasy to this episode because it's i'd love the idea that people realize somebody like that is actually a bad actor and doing bad things but they never do you know like the people we disagree with stay on the other side of issues now the end. The end of this episode is Worf comes into the into the conference room and Picard is standing there, having a bum out by the window. And and Worf is like, "Man, like I, I really fucking blew it, man. Like, I didn't even agree with you when you came and tried to talk me out of this earlier. But uh, now I see her for what she was, and uh, I can't believe that I was so whipped up and so ready to, you know, put on a MAGA hat and follow her around. I did not see what she was." And, uh, and Picard is like, Vigilance, Mr. Wolf. That is the price we have to continually pay. What is he truly advocating? I mean, I think he's saying that there is, like, living in an open society is worth, is worth it, but you basically never get to rest uh, on your laurels. Like, you always have to be working toward it being an open society. Because people who act the way that Sati act, who have the motivations of someone like her, will never stop working to those ends. Right. So the because other side she, must remain vigilant. She believes that the ends justify the means. Like, if we protect the Federation by any means necessary, then we will live in in safety and comfort. And Picard's point is, through the whole episode, like, this is the... This is the thesis of his argument against her from the second he realizes what a snake she is, is like, the f- there are no no ends. Like, it's all means. We never get to the ends of anything. And so to live in a just society, we have to practice justice every day. Mm-hmm. And And she is not about that. Like, she is completely convinced that, like, she is the defender of the faith. It's so weird for her to feel that way when she's not even a member of Starfleet anymore. Yeah. It's uh well I mean like she's been given given a long rope it seems like and I wonder like who at Starfleet Command was like let's send this lady out and she'll live on ships and shuttlecraft and have no friends and just go around kicking everybody in the balls and keep whipping them into shape all the time. Yeah, like I find less fault with Sati than I do with the person who put her in that position. Yeah. Cuz they should have known better. Yeah. That that's a person that needs a lot of managerial supervision. Uh, I have a feeling I know the answer to the question, but did you like this episode, Ben? I love this episode. It's it's uh, it's one of my faves, definitely in my top five. Wow, I'm, on I, the mountain. 
I'm worried. I'm worried that by the end of our series, people will be like, mm, "Ben, you actually had seven episodes in your top five. <laughs> you, well, uh, you just have a very big mountain. That's all. Yeah, this is a this is a fantastic episode, and I guess I wonder a little bit. Like, there's the the Jed Bartlett fantasy. Mm. You know, like we have we're watching the West Wing during the Bush administration, going like, "God, I wish this was how the president was," and instead, he is not. And yeah. I think that sometimes I worry stories like this make it seem like people act, you know, like there are a few bad apples, but mostly people act rationally and in their own best interest. And, you know, people that aren't doing that are generally car- getting carried away. And there's like a few strong voices that are, in fact, malevolent. I wonder sometimes if that's actually the case or if it's like we're all just the blind man trying to describe the elephant. Well, people rarely reveal themselves to be who they truly are, you know, until until they're in a position to actually do something either great or terrible in yeah. that moment, you know? Absolutely. Uh, how about yourself? Did you like this episode? Yeah, it was great. It was one of the best, for sure. Um, yeah. I was happy that they threw the keys to this episode to Frakes, too, because I think even on the page, you've got to know that this is a really important episode. Yep. And I thought he did great from a directoral standpoint. He makes a couple visual choices that I've come to recognize as being Frakes. Like, he goes high a lot. Yeah, he likes With shot composition. Yeah. Like, sort of a, sort of like God perspective type stuff. High and wide. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I think those are shots that you get from him that you don't get from anyone else. And so I like that he's sort of cultivating his own vision on the fly here. They shoot this show in a very specific way most of the time. And then yeah. And then when they occasionally let a director kind of show it to you from another angle, it definitely gets your attention and it's always really fun. And and I think I, that, I'm appreciative of it more than anything. Like god, yeah. thank you for not giving me the one quarter shot off of the side of the of the conference room table again. Thank you for putting the camera up high. Like, yeah, it's it's just it just makes it more interesting. Yeah, look at these cool sets we built. Let's fucking show them. Hey Ben, um, I've had a light flashing on my keyboard for the last couple of minutes. You want to check out what that is? Let's uh, let's do it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income. Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first of two Priority One messages uh, begin with a message from Sarge. And it is for, there's a couple of different names here, Ben. Uh, Honeybear slash Nuckrocker69. Nice. Nice. (laughs) The message goes like this. In all the chaos, your birthday came and went without much fanfare, so happy birthday, honey bear. I can't wait to spend more life together. From your loving wife, Sarge. Scrambles for life. All hail string. So the first half of that message were things that I understood, and the second half was in code, Ben. Yeah, and that scrambles has like some asterisks and some exclamation points. And it's got a K where you wouldn't expect one necessarily. There's definitely like a deep, a deep, deep inside joke and or code at play here. 
You know those those pictures, those ASCII pictures, like with <laughs> the symbols and stuff. I'm trying to figure out what three asterisks and an exclamation point mean. I think that's uh, somebody with a third testicle. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> they're hanging behind the behind the schlong there. They're hanging back in the cut. Yeah, you know they're they're there if you want to get them involved in the action, but they don't need to be. You've got to be really into balls play to uh, to go for that third testy, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's someone out there for everyone. Uh-huh. Uh, this next one is from Rotor, and it is to Joe, Dan, and Leah. It says the following. When I worked at camp, we had a game that involved asking, do you want to buy a duck as its central feature? So Joe, Dan, and Leah... Introducing me to this podcast has warped that for me. Do you want to rock a nuck? <laughs> it's the essential question. I could see Do You Want to Rock a Nuck being a fun game at Greatest Gen Con 2017. I could see that. I could see uh, consent being a big, big part of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope, uh, I hope everybody coming to Greatest Gen Con 2017 is as big a fan of consent as Riker. Absolutely. And Nuck, uh, to be quite honest. <laughs> so to uh, to Rotor as well as Sarge, we thank you for uh, placing your ads with us. You're placing your ad trust with us, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's not just about writing your message. It's about trusting us to deliver it in a way that works for you. I hope we've done that in this case. Indeed. Uh, if you would like to place an ad of a personal nature, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron where personal messages like these are $100 and corporate slash business messages are for $200. Uh, and they really help us produce this here podcast you're listening to right now. Yeah, much appreciated, everybody. Now, back to the show. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Uh, did you find in the course of your harsh interrogation <laughs> a drunk Shimoda this episode? I wrote down Admiral Henry just because that guy uh, just puts on a look of disgust and walks out. And that's like basically all he's there to do. You know, he's he's there to be a, a gold star on Settee until he decides that she's doing the wrong thing. And uh, I, I, uh, I thought that the guy like just took that very simple wordless role and knocked it out of the park. And that guy was also in Crimson Tide. Oh, that's a great callback. Yeah. Good spot. Uh, ben, this is one of those episodes where we have a rare double Shimoda. Yeah! I also chose Admiral Henry. His no dialogueness was, uh, it definitely stuck out to me <laughs> as a financial choice more than anything. Yeah. I feel like if you're the actor who plays Admiral Henry, you got to be excited to be a part of the show. Yeah. You get the script and you're flipping through it and you're like, I don't see any highlighter in here. Yeah, um, I, I believe there's been some sort of mistake. I mean, I'm wearing an admiral's uniform. <laughs> uh, nothing? Really? I'm getting paid as an extra. Hmm. And I wonder if he wasn't a subtle jab at Clarence Thomas, because he, uh, he played the Clarence Thomas role to a T <laughs> in his wordlessness. Yeah. Darmok Angelad. 
A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season four, episode 22, Half a Life. Is this season almost over yet? 22 eps. I think there's I think there's 26 in this season, maybe. Oof. So there's a lot of it. Um, Picard risks war when he offers an 
asylum to a visiting scientist whom wishes to escape the ritual suicide mandated by his society. Who writes this shit? Uh. Whom wishes? Hmm. Whom watches the watchers? This is a Lwaxana episode, Adam. Do you remember it? No. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is there going to be a suicide booth in this episode? <laughs> I love those. Like Bender and uh, yeah. Futurama. I think that this guy is like a brilliant scientist who doesn't quite take it over the finish line with his brilliant science career. And then he's like, well. So he's clearly old, right? Because yeah. those are the only scientists we get on this show. Yes. And male and white. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, and uh, hot wife. <laughs> yeah. It's like a fucking CBS show that way. Uh, mostly it's Loxana trying to... Uh, trying to have sympathetic fallen loves with him. And, uh, yeah, this would have been the, the second veto for me. Ooh, man. If I, if I wielded both vetoes. Excited for season five. <laughs> Already, as we wander through this shadow of Loxana. You know what gives me confidence in addition to my rod and staff, Ben? It's the, uh, it's the continuing contributions from our viewers yeah there our cup runneth over when they go to maximumfund.org slash donate it's true god that was we don't plan this stuff guys <laughs> uh, it also runneth over when they go to maxfunstore.com and buy our beloved shirts it may be winter time but i'm telling you you put that you put that t-shirt over a long sleeve shirt it's a great look that is a good look like a henley yeah I uh, noticed something on Reddit the other day. Um, uh, somebody was saying that they kind of didn't didn't love that we were using the likeness of a real person in our Shimoda shirt, um, you know, without any kind of mm-hmm. permission or anything. And I think that's maybe a valid criticism that hadn't really occurred to me before we did it. But it, it made me think about, like, I, we had a conversation a few episodes ago by about a iTunes review that was, in my opinion, uh, really uncool because it compared us to the alt-right. And the person who wrote that uh, also put up a post and said, like, hey, like, I was totally joking and I really feel badly that it was interpreted as being as offensive as as it was and between that and the comment about the Shimoda shirt it it just reminded me that like um, we always kind of approach these things like I think all people kind of approach their actions under the assumption that they're you know good people doing good and Mm -hmm. occasionally like and I think that for the most part that drunk Shimoda shirt has been really well received and I think people think it's funny and I think that we weren't thinking about like exploiting somebody for for personal gain or anything when we did it uh we like the character and we want to celebrate the kind of joyful nature of his performance and uh that's what the segment is about on our show and um i think that's what the shirt means to us and to the people that have have uh, been excited to get it uh, but I think that you are totally as, as as valid in your reaction to it as I was in my reaction to the alt-right iTunes review. 
uh, I just want to clarify that like we're we're doing that as a as a celebration and um, you know like our show is uh, is about our our love of this thing and uh, if 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 you're not crazy about it like um, if you're not crazy about every decision we make like know that we're trying to do, get better at this as we go and uh, and I still think it's a really funny shirt and um, and I hope that you'll forgive the perceived uh, crassness of it and I hope that you'll forgive the tone deafness of it if in fact it was tone deaf yeah well put uh, if you've got comments on any of the decisions we've made <laughs> on either show or merch, we're easy to find. Uh, you can use the email address drunkshimoda at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as at Time and at BenjaminAHR. Yeah, that email address is also how you enter our contest. Uh, not much time left to get us over the thousand review mark. And uh, I'm really excited to do it. So... We should thank Dark Materia for our music and Adam Ragusea for our other music. And we should thank the great folks at MaximumFun.org for providing so much support to our show. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and a crotchety and old and white and scientific episode of The Greatest Generation. Boy, that got real serious a bunch of times. Yeah. Serious Fun Star app. Trek cast. That was like a that was like an episode of Mission Log. Yeah, but but more vaginal. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hit stop. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.